Well, good morning, everybody. It's so good to see everybody here. It's such a beautiful morning, and just everybody come in, and all the friends here. I know all of y'all don't know each other, but I know many of you, or at least your faces. Just feels good to be like Tyler prayed a minute ago, just with people who are seeking God or, or know Him through Jesus. And so, uh, welcome. It's good to be here with you. Uh, as you can see, I'm kind of I don't have crutches today. Yeah. Yeah, which is awesome feeling. Friday I got off uh, of those things. So it's kind of like getting off the drugs. You know, you hate those drugs and you get off that and then I got off the crutches. So that feels really good. But I do feel like I've been walking around a little bit here and there and people see me, I'm like... <laughs> little kids are like, just taking off, you know. That guy is so creepy. But I'm hoping this part won't, the Frankenstein part won't last as long. Uh, I really don't know. Uh, just a quick note on those small groups. Uh, that's going to be really fun. If you are going to be here, uh, even if you're, if you're from out of town, you're going to be here in that month. We'd love to have you. Four meetings. Uh, I think there might be some music coming out of there somewhere. That's not a neighbor's car rocking, is it? (laughs) There we go. Um, So I just want to encourage, if you're going to be around, that's going to be a great chance to uh, actually apply this message and what Paul's trying to tell us from Ephesians today. So uh, think about that. Check your schedules uh, and and consider being a part. You can find out more. Drew will be out there, and he'll fill you in, and we'll send out some information on that too. But we are in this series we're calling Equipped. It's on the book of Ephesians, for those of you who haven't been with us for a little bit. And we're in the third message, the last part of chapter one in that book. So if you want to flip over there, if you got your Bible or whatever you're using to to do that, look at the word. We're in the ESV uh, version. So you follow along with the right words. Uh, It's kind of neat today. You can like switch around with your phone and see whatever, you know, version you want to see. But ESV will be up here on the wall. Paul's talking to people, this letter that he's writing I think the more I've thought about it, the more time I've spent with it, it's so appropriate for Crested Butte because he's writing to people who are living in a cult, who are uh, a part of the church, who are living in a culture where the culture says, no, not Christianity. And that, that sounds like the place that we live. And it, I'm sure wherever you come from, you feel that. In Crested Butte, we feel that. In our community, in our schools, wherever we are, we, we sense that often. You know, a lot of other things are great, but not Christianity. Or maybe just in a very small dose. Or maybe just your name, you know, that kind of thing. But nothing serious. And, and so this is where Paul is coming in saying, I'm going to equip you. I'm going to encourage you spiritually and give you instruction in how to walk and what it looks like to know Jesus and, and live that out in your world that is against you sometimes. So I'm excited about the book itself, especially for us and what it means to us trying to live in in this place. And if you're on vacation, you're living in this place and your witness in this town really matters. And that's exciting because Ephesians is going to encourage you to have confidence in your faith, especially what we're starting Vinatalk, I think, this week too, which is, is you know, the celebration of, of things pagan. But you know what? That is a great opportunity to interact as they're looking for uh, the, the people that are really celebrating that are looking for God in creation. And we're just pointing up a little higher than that, you know, and saying that he's the creator and you're seeing it, but you're not seeing it yet. And, and we're not judging you or we want to encourage you to see those really good things that God has made. So uh, just an opportunity to interact in our town 
today, in fact. Uh, so today, what we're going to see in this chapter, the, part of this, uh, these passages we're going to look at, is, it's like Paul's prayer list. It's not actually a prayer that he prays, but he's telling us what his prayer list is. So when I read this and we read it together, you'll see the pieces of the list. You'll be able to outline this talk probably faster than I did, because here's the parts of his prayer list that he's going to share with us. You know, can you imagine if Paul, if you, if you know much about the Apostle Paul, if he was to take you, if you're a believer, and grab you by the face and say, this, because this is serious stuff, he's really excited about it, and say, this is what I'm praying for you. I'm praying this for you, believer. Wouldn't that be cool if Paul did that? He's passing this along to us through the word, but I think he's doing that same thing. This is what I'm praying for you. So listen to it as if it, it were that way. So uh, this is 1, 15 through 19. By the way, I've been increasing the font size <laughs> to avoid putting my glasses on every time I read something from here. Uh, it's like 19 point or something now. For this reason, because I have heard of your faith, church, in, Ephes- in the Ephesian church, in the Lord Jesus, in your love towards all the saints, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. And here's the list. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened that you may know what is the hope to which he called you. What are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, And what is the immeasurable greatness of his power towards those of us who believe according to the working of his great might? That's quite a prayer list. What if he was saying that to you? Here's the main thing that I want us to to get out of this. The thing that I think Paul is is saying. He's praying that the subject of all this stuff is he's praying that we would know God deeply. He wants us to know God very well, very deeply. That's the, he's describing who God is and telling us, I want you to know him, have relationship with him deeply. And as you're thinking about this, as you're, you know, uh, as we're going through this passage this morning, uh, perhaps some some of you are leaders, you're leaders in this church, uh, or you're a person who has, influence on another person in their spiritual life. And that may in fact include all of you, all of us, whether it's a brother or a sister or a son, a parent, staff that work for you, uh, co-workers, whatever relationship where you may have the opportunity to influence someone else in, in, in their spiritual growth. I think this is a challenge to us it says, hey, what if we were to be praying these things for those people? What if this was what we wanted for the people who, with whom we are sh- shepherds, for whom we are shepherds? So perhaps be thinking of who those people are that you interact with, where you have a shepherding influence, because this is what Paul is doing, saying, this, I care about you, and I want you to know this stuff, and I'm praying for this stuff for you. Who are those people in your life? And if perhaps you're somebody who is, uh, who is seeking God, who, who is like, you know, I know there's something going on. 
I know there's something permanent and real that I can be confident in, but I'm having a trouble finding out what it is. And, and I'm, trying to, I'm trying to find that, and you're here for that reason. This is a good place to see a little bit about who God is. So maybe these words that Paul speaks could speak to you. This is what Paul wants you to know. So the church was written to was a long time ago, but it's very relevant to us today as the followers of Jesus. So maybe think about those things. Three points uh, that I want to hit. One is he's calling us to deep relationship with this God. So I'll try to show you that. Uh, He's calling us to see the real hope that God offers. So deep relationship, this real hope, this transcendent hope in our world. And then he wants to, he reminds us right at the end about the complete security that we have in him. So those are the places we're going to go as we walk through this. So the prayer, what he's praying for at the, at the top level, the very first thing he's going to say is he wants us to have relationship, a deep relationship with God. And in relationship, we come to know him. Uh, there's one thing we probably should say right before we get into that is look at verse 15. He says, for this reason, this is the beginning, this reason, because I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love towards the saints. In other words, what he's heard is that these people are actually doing pretty well spiritually, right? The, 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 the rumor, the, well, I guess it could be the rumor, but the reputation is positive about these people. They weren't needing significant correction. If you've read some of Paul's other books, sometimes he goes right in and says, this has got to change right now. But he starts with a different kind of feel in the book of Ephesians. He says, you're doing well. I'm way over here, and I'm hearing about the fact that you love God, that you have a deep faith in Jesus, and that you're loving one another well. That's an exceptional you know, reputation. They were abiding in Jesus such that, you know, this metaphor, we were grafted in, the Bible says, we're grafted into Jesus, and then the, that uh, new life we have in him produces fruit. And so Paul's saying, I'm, I'm hearing that, I'm seeing that. You know, this is the message that's coming to me from hundreds and hundreds of miles away. One of the most powerful uh, witnesses of the truth about God, about Jesus in the early church, in, the, in that community, was that the church, the people in the church loved each other well. And outside of that, they began to love their community well. I would, that is the dream reputation that I have for, for the church, but especially for our church, because this is where we are, Right? So we have an incredible opportunity for the reputation of the church, people of Obi Joyful, local or non-local, to be that we love each other well. And that's going to overflow into loving our community well. So this is the reputation they have. I just wanted to to start out by saying, yes, he's going to encourage them to go deep in relationship with God. But they already have one. They're already started. They're already on the path. They're already going there. So this is more encouragement. Go deeper. And look at 16. This is where he talks about that. I don't cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him. And that's, that's the important word there at the very end of verse 17. He says, in, he would, you would know all this in the knowledge of him. And 
this is where those Greek words are important because the word knowledge that he uses there is one for to have deep relation. It means to have deep relationship with. So when you go a little bit deeper, he says to know later, and that's a different kind of knowing, more intellectual. And in this case, he says, I want you to have this deep knowledge. Uh, I think uh, it's to experience and have this intimacy that's much more than head knowledge. Uh, A little known fact about me, I don't even think my parents know this, um, is that uh, when, well, when my, when I was young, my dad bought the encyclopedia, the world book encyclopedia. Anybody have that in your house? My kids don't even know what that is. Encyclopedia, <laughs> what? But he was so excited about it. I remember he was so thrilled and the guy came door to door and we bought, he bought it. And uh, so we had this, you know, row of books and I used to stay up at night as a little kid and read the encyclopedia. I don't know. That may make me a nerd, and I'm okay with that. <laughs> it's just the reality. But I would read that stuff. I would just pick one out and just read the encyclopedia. And so I would gather this head knowledge about things, these facts and information and stuff like that. Apparently, it's all been forgotten. But uh, at least it was in there at one point. But there, it's one thing to put yourself to sleep reading information, and it's another thing to know someone, a person, right? There's a big contrast. And what Paul is saying is there's information in this letter that I'm going to give you. There's information in the Hebrew scripture, etc. But what I want you to know, I want you to know the one true God. I want you to know him well, deeply. And he says something that I think is pretty cool there. In 18, I didn't read this one, but he says, uh, I, I want you to have the eyes of your heart I, want, I wish that the eyes of your heart would be enlightened. That's a really positive statement. As we dig in deeply with God, rather than becoming more dim and self-focused, and, but instead, the eyes of our heart, the deepest part of us, would be enlightened. That, that's the process. That's what's happening as we get to know God better. As we truly know him. And you notice, uh, he says, I'm not ceasing to pray for this. This is what I pray for all the time. I get the feeling that when Paul said something, he meant it. I'm praying for this for you. Remember, if you're a leader or spiritual influencer on somebody, this is is an intense, ongoing prayer that we need to engage in, I think, these aspects of this prayer. Uh, This is kind of funny because this, this passage is like one giant run-on sentence in the original. And that's why if when we read it, you're like, uh, you know, you're trying to follow Paul's reasoning. He's so excited he can hardly contain the words because he, he's, he's so thrilled to be lifting these things up for the church. I pray that the eyes of your heart would be enlightened and I'm not stop ceasing to pray. That. And, and some of you are saying, well, okay, well, how do I know God more deeply? I mean, come on, God because he, he's not physically here. I can't go and, and have this face-to-face conversation. But I would encourage you, this is the most beautiful place for retreat, to step away from everything that's going on and spend time with God. And the book of Ephesians is a great place to learn about who he is and find confidence in him. So if you're looking for just a simple step, uh, Drew said it a few weeks ago, take the book of Ephesians and read just a little bit or read the whole thing. It only takes about 30 minutes to read the whole book. Alone with him, but not like with your phone, your phone buddy, 
you know, just out in the woods by yourself. Look at this. This is a great place to retreat and do that. So I would encourage you, if you're just looking for a step to move deeper in relationship with the one true God, that is one way to do it. Jesus was a great model of that. So the first thing is he wants us to move into deep relationship with this person that he's describing for us, but he wants us to experience who God is, to have this real hope in who he is. So here's a different word for knowing in the book, in, in the way he's writing. He's a, and we have it translated both knowledge and knowing. This one in verse, the second part of 18, I'm praying that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints. So this know is, is information that he wants us to have stored deep inside us. And last week we talked about this hope that we have as believers. The hope that we have as believers is at one time, and Paul says in the fullness of time, he will make all things right. That's our hope. Everything may not go right for us. I thought when we were praying, I was thinking, oh my gosh, these are such amazing, huge needs that we have to bring before God. And so many that we all know of that we didn't mention. Many of you are like, well, can I say that? You know, do we have time? Does anybody want to? No, there are so many needs that we need to, so many hurts, so many things going on. The hope that we have is that God will make all things right. And that's in the, that's in the verses just before this, if you want to look for those. That you may know that hope. You know, one thing I've noticed is that humans are the only thing that God created, the only uh, living creature he created that where hope is a factor, which I think is somewhat interesting. You know, animals and plants, we don't have, they don't have a, hope for what's next. But we need hope. In fact, uh, just a minute ago, I think uh, somebody prayed for Scott Bricker, just that he would have hope. You know, he's, in, he's broken his neck. He's got a long way to go. Uh, we need hope. And we all understand that. And we know when people lose hope, what that su- we've had those moments ourselves, and we know that that's a place of suffering. God so then I'm thinking back another step. God created us with this need or this vacuum in us, which needs to be filled by hope. Like, you know, you can see me, I'm walking around. I've been hoping that my therapist, my PT, was telling me the truth that I would get off of those things, those crutches, right? I had hope and that kept me going. This is the, that's just a small picture, but we are, we are all uh, driven by and, and, and we desire to be filled by a sense of hope. And that's part of the, uh, the reality that, that Paul wants us to see, to have our eyes enlightened to. And then he starts using these really big uh, uh, superlative kinds of words. He says, I want you to know the riches of the glorious inheritance. That's a, that's a lot of big words. Know the riches of the glorious inheritance that you have. I mean, Paul is excited about this. And we, we talked about last week the, the idea that we're not known. This is this sort of foundational truth, and I'm, I'm never going to say it right. But we're not known by the things that we collect. We, those things will all pass away. If you're a believer, we're known as redeemed. That's the thing we have to remind ourselves of. It's not all that I collect and what I do and how I've got, I'm great at this and that and these things are my 
persona that I project and make sure everybody thinks I'm great and maybe the things I post on Facebook or whatever. But instead, I'm known and I know myself as redeemed, as brought into the family of Jesus. That's a pretty freeing thing. Because then all the rest of that stuff's just fun. It doesn't identify me. It's just a part of who I am because I'm redeemed in him first. That's the riches of the inheritance that we have. Back in the mid, uh, early 2000s, there's a group, and they're, they're quite still at work. They're called the uh, Innocence Project. Some of you may be familiar with that. Uh, and when I was in Dallas, we were engaged with helping them to reintegrate people that they helped prove were innocent but had been incarcerated. Anybody from Dallas remember that stuff? Is it just me? Okay, good. There's a couple of us. So they have, the Innocence Project is based in Washington, but they go back and check uh, DNA to see if people were really incarcerated right for the correct reasons. And so we were working to help these people that were put in prison for 30 or 40 or even life and to come out and to reintegrate into society. And I remember sitting down the first time I met one of those guys. And he'd been in prison for 30 years. Unjustly. I, 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 as I sat there, I, I, I was trying to feel what it could possibly have been like to feel that. He was a little older than me, went to prison when he was 17 years old, you know. Or 18. And I, I was like, and, and it turns out that, that they had just uh, railroaded him because it was easy to, get, easy to uh, put away. And I try to also feel the joy that it must have been like to find out that you were going to be exonerated, to actually walk out into fresh air. Can you imagine what that felt like? And I just, this intensity was overwhelming. And the woman that we were working with, it was part of me, she felt it so intense. I mean, she would just weep with all of these stories. It was so intense for her, for every one of them these men that were being exonerated. And the more I've reflected on that, I thought, you know, that was powerful to be redeemed from that situation. But he he wasn't guilty. And and Paul's telling us in, in the passage right before this that we're actually imprisoned in need of being delivered because we have rebelled against God and that's where we're supposed to be locked in that place, in separation from him. That's just the truth. It's a hard truth, but that's the truth. And when, when we're redeemed, Jesus actually took our place. This guy that I was talking to didn't have anybody take his place. Do you see the differences there? It was powerful to see him rele- released. It was powerful in his life, but it's, more, it's to, an exponential thing for us to be released, to be delivered from slavery, which is what redeemed means. That's the, that's the riches, the incredible cost that was paid for us to be free. And it was actually Christ's life. He's not sitting in prison for us. It was his life in exchange for us. That's powerful. That's meaningful and, and transformative. So there's this rich, the, this rich inheritance that he has for us that he wants us to know. This is who this God is. He gives us a rich inheritance, redemption, adoption into his family. And finally, 
There's security in him. And before we put this passage up, I want to read you. Uh, I just did sort of a Scott's translation of uh, verse 19. And I will pray that you will know some level of marginal acceptance by God based on how well you performed and how well you can make up for the horrible mistakes that you were born to make in this life, and I'm pretty sure you will make in the future. So good luck. (laughs) So this is this, uh, that is the opposite of complete security. There's no security in that. It's the measure of me, the measure of you. But look at what 19 really says. And I pray that you will know what is the immeasurable greatness of his power towards us who believe according to the working of his great might. The working of his great might was to redeem us. Do you see who the, the, the burden of redeeming falls upon? Not because not Will's good enough or you know, he measures up or might measure up in the future. It all falls on God. This is one of the premier distinctives, the most important distinctives of Christianity over any other faith. It is done or you can do. Just check out any other faith. It's all about doing. It's all about being good enough, emptying yourself enough, whatever it is, so you can reach that level. This is done. It's all on him. It's according to the working of his great might. We don't have to clean up first before it's okay to be in relationship with God, to know him deeply. Uh, a couple last thoughts here. I was talking to a friend, um, and she was not the first person to say this to me. That She said, I have somebody who wants to come to church. I've heard this quite a few times. And, but what she asked me was, will I be judged at Obi Joyful if I'm there? I've heard that multiple times. That is not the first. Now, I don't know if that's some message that we've sent or they got from the church where they grew up, but that's heartbreaking to hear. Would I be judged if I show up there because I'm not just, because what that means is because I'm not good enough, right? Well, I know enough about all you guys that are here. You're not good enough, okay? No offense. And myself, I mean, we're all in here, totally broken, totally in need. We're going to sing about this in in just a minute when I wrap this up. In fact, if you guys that are leading want to just come on back up. It's it's not about how we get clean. Um, It's about his unbelievable mercy and the power that he has to offer that. Um, And, you know, all, all all we do is believe. And we're grafted in. And if you believed you're grafted in, and that fruit is just a beautiful part of what can come from you, the deeper you go with him. So there is a, this process of growing deeper in Christ that, that Paul's calling us to. He's the power behind our adoption. 